Ha-ham. Okay, what's going on, guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Energize. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. We have UFC, Bellator, and Strike Force World Heavyweight or World Lightweight Champion, color commentator, and podcaster Josh the Punk Thompson. Josh, how are you doing? Man, that list is long, buddy. It is. It is. I could have went a bit longer, but I decided to keep it short. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you miss pride, you miss dream. You mean I worked for one? I mean, man, I know, I know. Has any other fighter been in as many organizations as you? I'm sure that somebody has. I'm sure. I mean, maybe I see. Uh, no, Cyborg. She's been the champion in every organization. Invicta, UFC, Strike Force, now Bellator. So that's four different organizations right there. I mean, I don't, I don't know if she's. I can't recall she ever fought in Pride. I don't think so. And then uh, I know she didn't fight in Dream, so I mean those are two that I have over her. But she's got titles, baby. She's she's yeah. she's no joke. She's yeah, no well, Nefarious, you're fighting the most stacked division of all time, and she she's she's looking for people in her division. Yeah, that's true. It is. It, I would like to see her fight at 35. I just know she can't make it, but I would like to see her fight at 35. It just would make um it'd be. There'd be a lot more girls for her to fight, but it would also diminish who she is as a fighter because she's just a savage, man. Yeah. She's so good. She's so strong. And uh, I, I actually you know, had an opportunity back in Strikeforce days to film a commercial with her. And the two of us were, you know, filming it for Showtime. And we were just doing that. Like, we were just supposed to be acting, like playing in the, in the ring. And this chick was fucking me up, man. She was throwing <laughs> me around. She was trying, like, she almost kneed me in the face two or three times. And I was like, man. And then her husband was uh, the other cyborg at the time. They're not married anymore. But her, her husband then uh, was there watching. So it wasn't like I could get mad because that fucker would have beat my ass. He was huge back then. He was like, you know, 200 something pounds back then. And so he might even still be that. But I mean, he, he was big back then. And she was, she was probably walking the same way that I was at the time, like 170. But man, she fucked me. She was fucking me up in the commercial. I almost had to tell her, "Hey, man, calm down. This is just for fun." <laughs> like, I'm not trying to get smashed right now. So, but all in all, it's good though. We, you know, uh, she's a she's a savage though. She's yeah. definitely a savage. She is. Have you seen her uh, weight cutting video as well? When she like she was in the bath, it went out online, and she was like crying, cutting weight, trying to make 135 pounds. So like, I don't yeah. see it ever really happening again. Yeah, I don't. I mean. Right now, I mean, I would have never thought I would say this, but Bellator's got a better 145-pound division than the UFC does. And I don't think the UFC really had any interest. They started that weight class for her. But, I mean, you have too many girls that just they just were, were putting weight on to have a chance to fight her. That's all, you know. And so it's, it wasn't fair. You know, with Julia Budd being here, and she is a legit walk-around 145-pound fighter. We've got a couple other girls, too, that we've just signed. And then um, – And uh, Leah McCourt as well. Yeah, Leah McCord. Uh, Leah needs a couple more fights, I think, before she's ready for her. Yeah, um, but 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 that's there. Janae Harding, she's there. Um, you know, but Leah's going to face, I believe, the next the next show they were supposed to fight in, in uh, London. Yeah. That would have been a great fight. I, those two match up very well. They're both long, lanky, tall. You know, for the size, mm-hmm. I would li- I would like to see that fight. You know, and I, we're going to see it. And obviously, we know we're going to see it because they were matched up. So, um, you know, and then Kat Zingano has been, she signed with us, so she's doing well. Uh, you know, she's got to put a, I think she, with her, like she walks around maybe 44, 48, 
so she doesn't have much to cut, you know, and mm -hmm. where I think we're cy cyborgs really walking around probably 66, 68, somewhere in there. Would it be interesting seeing Kayla Harrison do a cross promotion fight with cyborg? Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. The only thing is, is that she, um, she's locked, they got to lock down over there. You know, I mean, I don't know how long, how much longer the PFL is going to be in business. You know, um, I mean, they, they are spending cash. Like it's, and they've done this their whole, sh their, ever, ever since the promotions existed, they've done this. You know, Is Mark Cuban bankrolling that? Um, just, no, I don't believe so. I, I had heard something around that, like some, some yeah. of his investors he had done business with mm. were also involved in that. But I don't, I don't think he's actually directly involved with it. I mean, I don't think, if he would have looked at the revenue that they were bringing in versus the revenue they're spending, I mean, I want to say, outside of the million dollars that they're spending for the winner of the tournament. They're still paying the fighters their person. And I believe Kayla Harris just um, signed a deal where she's making almost $500,000 a fight. And she's got nobody in her weight class to fight her. So why would she ever go anywhere? And it's just, it's just way out punting the coverage. They're spending money. It just doesn't make sense. There's no reason for them to pay her that much. She's got no one to fight. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm tipping my hat to her. I'm, I'm happy she's getting paid, but I mean, realistically, she's, you know, she's not fighting. She's not able to fight. Like Sarah Kaufman's probably her toughest fight, and Sarah's small. You know, Sarah used to fight at 35. I want to say she fought at 25 also a couple of times. You know, she's a small girl. You know, she's, you know, she's, she's built. You know, like as in she's a little thicker. You know, but she's, she's not the size of of a cyborg. She's not the size of a Kayla Harrison either. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah, Josh, we're we're obviously going to get into your story anyway. You've been over thirty professional fights. How did you get into the mm -hmm. mixed martial arts? I, you know, I got done with uh, college, and I was thinking to myself, man, do I want to go work a nine to five? Do I want to get a real job? And and no, no, not really. <laughs> so <laughs> I just uh, I started. I just started. I was I was already training for wrestling. I was wrestling in college, and I was wrestling. I played soccer also, and so I was always in shape I, I always loved being active every time i was honestly i just did our show when i did my show last week with john uh talking about john gels with big john mccarthy on my show yeah. um we talked we, i basically said like john is going through what i went through when i was 18 19 years old if i wasn't training i was at the club like you know fighting you know getting smashed trying to you know pull chicks like i mean don't get me wrong i'm not knocking anyone that, that sins that way i mean we all sit differently that's their business man yeah. i'm no one to judge trust me i'm no one to judge and um you know but it's uh it i just i went through that at a younger age and it seems yeah. like he's still going through it now granted i didn't have the money that he has and making the money that he's making at that you know at the age he's making that but yeah. Though, like I said, those those are young kid mistakes. Those are young boy mistakes. Those are things that you wouldn't expect somebody to um, you wouldn't expect somebody to be making at 32, 33 years old. Yeah, he's also a father as well. Uh, obviously, I don't want to be rubbing yeah. it in, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you you were younger. You were the, if you, you were doing wrestling, then you move. Then, then what happened next? So when I got, yeah, so basically I got done with, you know, wrestling and I was, I was still playing active like soccer. Even to this day, I play soccer like indoor leagues and, you know, I haven't been able to play on the outdoor leagues because 
I'm busy traveling too much and there's too yeah. much of a commitment to that. But indoor, you just show up once a week and you just play with the same people you play every week with. So, uh, but you know, realistically, like it helps keep me in shape and, you know, keeps me going, keeps me active and stay busy. But I got done with uh, wrestling in high school or in college and then playing soccer. And I just was training all the time, jujitsu and, and, and a lot of kickboxing and was having fun with it. And I think after about six months of training, I took my first fight and, um, and I lost, you know, I was dominating the kid for about eight minutes. It was a t- one 10 minute round, about eight, eight and a half minutes. And man, I just I made a mistake, threw a head kick, slipped on the mat. He took my back, choked me with a, with a uh, uh, inverted triangle. He was, I started to kind of come out the back door and he caught me in an inverted triangle. And yeah, I mean, just one of those things, but then it kind of motivated me, like motivated me to say, Hey man, I'm ready to, I, I got to focus on this if I'm going to do this and have fun with it. And then my second fight, I was able to make 150 bucks. And then my third fight, I was able to make 300. And then once all that happened, I mean, I, then I shortly after had a couple more fights later. I was up in, I was living up in Idaho, which is up by Canada. And I, um, Boise, like, no, up north more up by Canada. So I was in Coeur d'Alene area, like where Spokane is, where Coeur d'Alene, you know, where Sam Cecilia and those guys are from. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, they were all up in there. So they actually were like, they weren't even around when I was, they were like, they were still in like middle school, maybe in elementary school. When I was training. <laughs> I started training back then. It was me. It was, it was me, Trevor Prangley, Dennis Holman, uh, Benji Raddick, uh, the guys that were up there. Misha Tate obviously was fighting, uh, you know, all on the small scene back then, man. So, I mean, we all kind of were in that Northwestern area that we just kind of helped the sport grow. Jens Pulver was in Boise. I was supposed to fight Jens probably my fourth or fifth fight ever in this small little local show in uh, Boise, Idaho. And, uh, cause I'd already beaten all the other guys in Boise at the time. Yeah. And, um, and they said, Hey man, we got Jen, you know, we fight Jens, this and that. I was like, all right, perfect. And then he got signed to the UFC. Like basically while we were negotiating for me to fight him, uh, the amount of money they signed him to the UFC. So that was, and that kind of, that kind of let me know, like that, that was kind of the, the time where I thought to myself, dude, these guys that you're supposed to be fighting, these guys are getting signed to the UFC. Like you're basically right there. This isn't a big market. Like your, your name is, people already must know your name and people are talking about matching you against Jens. People are talking about matching you against other guys, you know? I mean, there was talk about me fighting uh, Dennis Holman. Dennis Holman, you know, has already, basically was already signed with the UFC and then kind of was getting some other fights on the ice outside. Because you got to remember, back then the UFC only had five to seven shows a year. Mm. Didn't, didn't have, didn't have yeah. 50, didn't have 54 shows in a year like they do now. Mm. You know, they had five or seven shows and that was it. Like you were He's famous for the jockstrap now, isn't he? Dennis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's that's a bad that's a bad way for him for that that's like the defining moment of his career now yeah not yeah, like sadly yeah very sadly because you gotta remember i believe he's got two armbar wins over matt hughes yeah okay yeah i know he's got one for sure I'm, I'm trying to recall if he got a second one i think i think he has two and both of them i think were like under like a minute and a half or two minutes or something like that very impressive and then he I think, you yeah, you, I think you'd rather to be known uh, to beat Matt Hughes than you would to to wear a, a jock strap into the ring. But look, that's 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 sometimes uh, how things go. Uh, certain people are f- famous for funny stuff. I remember uh, Sam Alvey got uh, when they banned all the sponsorships, got the the tan sponsored on his chest. <laughs> did you see that? Uh, yeah, I do remember that. I wonder if did he get in trouble for that. I think he did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Uh, see, but I mean, like. 
whatever. I Great, can see that. We had talked about that because you know, remember back in the day they used to have mm. the the ink on the back for Golden Palace. Mm. Golden Palace Casino used to sponsor uh, guys, and they would write. Remember, they would write the the ink all over their back. Yeah. It, would, um, it was like the it was like this remove, removable. A hand like, tattoo. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, something like that. It was like something like that. They would put that on, and they couldn't get it off. So they yeah. wear that. You know, that's they sort of they, they used to pay so much money, man. It was like ridiculous. They were made, they would pay more than what the fighters were actually making to fight. Crazy. Crazy, man. And then, Josh, you, you're with the UFC, whether you fought in Japan a bit. How did fighting in Japan come about, actually? How did what? Fighting in Japan come about. So I was so I was with the UFC at the time, and then they, they had got rid of the 155-pound division. So then mm. um, I basically crazy was like, uh, yeah, so I was like, man, and considering it's the best division in the world, I mean, it's been, mm. they just got to think about all the guys that were there, right? There was BJ yeah, Penn. BJ Penn, Matt Hughes, Din Thomas, myself, um, Sean Shirk was. I mean, like all these guys were there. It's like, and they got rid of the it, Carl. All famous. Yeah, I mean, these guys are all like legends exactly. in the in the sport, and they were and they were like, oh well, let's just get rid of this division. It just didn't make any sense, but they got rid of it anyways. And they they offered me a deal. They said, hey, you know, you want to fight at one seventy? I was like, absolutely not, absolutely not. If you guys if you guys would see like. That, like the size of Matt, Matt Hughes, the size of Carlos Newton, Pat Militich, those guys were enormous compared to me. And so I, I just had no desire to do that. And so I, I was like, nah. So I left, wasn't with the UFC. Um, and then I started fighting kickboxing for Scott Coker. Uh, like on the side, I was not making much, you know, it's a couple grand here and there, which is basically what I was making in the UFC, to believe it or not. You know, the UFC, my first contract was like two and two, four and four, eight and eight. It was like garbage money. I mean, like, but that's that's really what they paid. You know, they didn't pay shit, you know, back then. That's when guys I remember, that's why Jens Pulver mm -hmm. left, because BJ Penn, when they fought for the title, BJ made more money than he did. You know, so you sort of became part of, you sort of became part of then what I call Scott Coker's. California mm -hmm. Golden Boys, you know what I mean? You uh, were obviously one of the main attractions uh, in Strike Force for Scott Coker. Uh, obviously, you had your trilogy against Gilbert Melendez, which is probably like the most renowned thing Strike Force uh, ever done. And then, mm -hmm. but like, you also had like Luke Rockhold and Daniel Cormier on the up and up uh, coming out, out of AK. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that sort of period when they were coming up and you were in there, that was when people started to go, could the Strike Force champions beat the UFC champions? And it was it, it was legit. Like Strike Force was an organization that, you know, when you look back at it, it was a bit like with the WEC. When the fighters actually merged over to the UFC, they held their own and then some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, most of them became champions. I mean, Ronda Rousey, she was created in, in, in Strike Force. Mm -hmm. Ronda Rousey, Cyborg, Gina Carano, Misha Tate. Uh, you know, you had Marlos Kunin. You had all these top girls, as well as you had DC. You got to remember, Cain Velasquez's first fight was in Strike Force. Amanda mm -hmm. Nunes fought in Strike Force. You know, uh, Michael Chandler fought in Strike Force. You know, all these guys fought in Strike Force. And then. They just didn't have a desire to keep them at the time because they didn't have they, they weren't producing enough shows to have all these fighters on the mm -hmm. roster so what they did was scott pick and chose the people that he wanted to invest in and i just ha i happened to be i happened to be one of them so i felt blessed and happy about that but you got to remember with that type of responsibility comes um comes a lot of pressure you got to put mm -hmm. on fights man this you got to remember strike force was known for for having the most exciting fights. We have fun fights the fans want to see. That was like kind of their motto. Like 
you, we had those. And there was a lot of little, even though there was only a handful of guys on the roster, you know, Jacques Ray was there, um, you know, um, what's it called? Diaz um, Hodger Gracie was there. Nick Trevor Diaz. was there. Nick, Nick Diaz. Remember, Nate was in Strike Force too. He fought in Strike Force right before the, the ultimate. And then the Strike Force heavyweight Grand Prix was unbelievable. Overeem, yeah. Fedor, Big, uh, Bigfoot Silva. Uh, yeah. The list goes on. Like it was, it was uh, Karatanov. Like it was, yeah. it was Josh Barnett. Um, Brett Rogers was really hot at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like some serious heavyweights. You know I mean? Verdum. Verdum was. Oh, there. yeah. For two, possibly yeah. the greatest heavyweight of all time. You know what I mean? You can put your argument from in from. You know what I mean? Uh, like, in terms of in terms of heavyweight, they were incredible. You and Gale at lightweight. Like, even when Pat Healy came over, he did he did well at lightweight as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember? Yeah, his whole downfall. Pat, he, he's the one. He's the one guy that I completely overlooked when I fought him, and I, I mean, I was able to escape out of there with a win. Um, but I gotta tell you, man, I go, I walked out to the third round going, fuck, if I lose this takeout, I'm gonna lose this fucking fight. It was that, 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 he was big, was desperate. He was enormous. He took a picture of him. He weighed in at 156 when we fought and he took a picture that night, sent it to Scott Coker. He weighed 191. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is insane. Like I, I'm like, and I felt every, I felt every pound of that when he was on when he was on top of me i was like this is horrible man this is this kid is so big and he's got hands that are like enormous you remember he beat jim miller remember when he I mean, he fought yeah he, he had that remember he won five he looked like jim miller's big brother <laughs> he he won he, he won fight of the night and he won performance of the night or something like that and then remember he tested positive for small yeah. doses of marijuana and they stripped him all of that money so he lost like almost 200 something thousand dollars in bonuses because he tested for marijuana and now they're talking about allowing marijuana as a recreational drug yeah. i'm like that poor guy man he, he just fought at the wrong time and just yeah that, that was a head that was a house that was like losing he's the house of, he's one of the coolest guys too man he's he's fucking i trained with him out at bj Penn's for a couple of camps and uh, bj and i have you know been friends long long time mm. we trained together back when bj first got into the ufc and uh when i trained with him out there I mean, he was no different. He was fucking enormous. Mm. I, I'd already fought him. I'd already beat him. But he just was that guy. Even in training, I'm like, man, get your fucking big ass off of me. He was just so big. Yeah, he just – but he's a grinder. He's one of those big guys. He's hard to submit, heavy on top. Not a very, not a great wrestler, mm. but just makes it an awkward, like, kind of scramble. He's long and lanky. It's always hard to deal with, man. And uh, I know Barry has a question he's dying to ask you about your strike force career. Go on, Barry. Yeah, we we're just speaking of events. Um, I saw that you've you fought in the Playboy Mansion as well a couple of times, undefeated yeah. if I'm correct. But uh, <laughs> first of all, did you fight harder because you were in the Playboy Mansion? And also, what was it like fighting there as well? Uh, it was it was definitely different. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Well, because you know the you're outside. The fights are held outside. They're not inside. They're held outside on the grounds <clears throat> in the backyard. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only maybe I think that they were only allowed to sell less than like 700 tickets or less than a thousand tickets. They were allowed to sell. Um, you have to be off the property by I want to say like midnight or 1 a.m. You can't be there any longer because it really is his house. Yeah, yeah, uh, he yeah. lives there. 
yeah. you know, so you have to be off the property by a certain time. You can't have the fights before like three o'clock or four o'clock. So fighters started showing up there at the venue at like four, but so like the warm up area was like out on his tennis courts. So little things that you're not used to, you know, like they didn't really have mats for us to wrestle and grapple on. It was, you know, you could really just hit mitts cause you're on the tennis courts. There was little things that you had to make adjustments to. I wish I would have been able to go without having to fight though. Because, you know, I mean, I was the, I was the co-main event. I was the main event on one and the co-main event on the other. And I was like, all right, well. <laughs> you, didn't get, you didn't get your time to hang out. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> didn't get much time. I mean, I didn't get done fighting until like almost 1030. I'm sorry, 1130. We had to be off the property by one. Because, yeah. you know, they, sh they shuttle you in and they shuttle you off. You yeah. cannot drive there and drive back. There's and you have to be on a list or something. They're real weird about it there, aren't they? Oh. So there was no way. Uh, no, it's like it's like trying to get into the White House. It was it was ridiculous. So there was, was no party in the grotto, no? No, there was, but I'm saying like <laughs> the whole the whole the whole night was a party. That's why. There was never there was never a moment. The bar was twenty four seven. Like the whole thing was the bar was twenty four seven. There was models walking around twenty four seven. Like people were people people were swimming in the in the grotto while we were fighting, like literally twenty feet to the left. So it it was like a nightclub kind of setup where you know, I, people were like, oh, look, there's some fights going on over there in the corner. So it would kind of kind of suck that way, but it was kind of cool, though, too. Like, I remember I walked in for the second fight when I fought Adam Lynn. I walked in, and um, <clears throat> no, that was the first fight. The first fight I fought Adam Lynn, I walked in, and I see, I look down, and uh, and there's uh, Hugh Hefner. He's just sitting right there at cage side. And I, and I give him a little nod. I'm like, hey, you know, he, he just nods back. He's like, good luck. And I went, it was, uh, those are moments you remember, you know? That's well, I imagine so. I come here, was there, uh, did you spend a bit of time with a few of the models afterwards? Yeah, you know, uh, at the time I had a girlfriend, so she actually came with and uh, was hanging out. And so we all, you know, there was a group of, I had a group of friend, family and friends that always wanted to go. So they all paid for the tickets and went, because they were expensive. I want to say the tickets were all like two to three grand a piece. Oh, I imagine so. so. Oh, yeah, and there was no dis there was no discounts. You know, it really was a Showtime deal. It was you know it was definitely for TV. <clears throat> that was something that Scott Coker always wanted to do. He's got a couple wild and crazy ideas that he really wants to put together for first for the fighters. You know, and um, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm I'm hoping he's able to get at least two or three of those things done. I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that some of the fights were in locations that he wants to eventually put on. It's always been like his dream. Playboy Mansion was one of his dreams. He was able to make that happen. So I think it's just going to take some time, but I, he's got a lot of great ideas. And I, that's what made it so easy for me to follow him from, you know, organization to organization mm -hmm. because of that. So can you fill us in on anything that we could, should be looking out for, especially because yeah. uh, it's 11 years as well since Bellator was created as well. Yeah. But it's, I mean, Scott's only been under the helm for, I think I want to say five now. You know, so it's like you, you got to remember Strike Force. We didn't start hitting our stride until about six years in, you know. So Scott's got another year. And I think now, too, with the new link up of the CBS and Showtime deal, I don't know if we're going to be I can't say anything on that because I don't I don't have the exact details on it. But no. I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, if we're going to be on, I don't know how much longer we're going to be on Paramount or if we're going to be on the zone or I don't know what's going on in that and those aspects. But it would be nice to at least be featured on CBS Sports or CBS every once in a while for some big mainstream fights so our fighters are getting the recognition they deserve. And that's kind of what catapulted us uh, when it was Strikeforce. Remember, you had the CBS mm. fights, even though even though there was some fuck-ups on the CBS fights with the Diaz and Mayhem Miller and Jake Shields, all that stuff, right? Yeah. <clears throat> even though that, all that stuff happened, it kind of ruined us for CBS, but we were still on Showtime. 
and Showtime was still getting the recognition, you know, for MMA at the time. So we, we had, we had two platforms. We had CBS and Showtime to be featured on that were showing our replays, we're showing our fighters. And so if we can get something like that going again, I think realistically you'll start hearing, seeing more of, of, um, more of these other uh, media sources talking about our athletes. Cause I got to tell you, man, we've got, we've got way better younger athletes than the UFC mm. does. There's no doubt about it. I have no, I have no doubt that our, our younger fighters are better than the UFC fighters. And I have no doubt that our, our current fighters can all match up really well with them, if not beat them. You know, I mean, obviously you, I can make matchups anyway to favor our guys, you know, but I can also make matchups to favor the UFC guys. It can also make it to where it's a full on split fight. You know what I mean? So, like, I would love to see the MVP and Stephen Thompson fight. I've said that. Oh my times. god! We actually, yeah, we, you know, we actually, we actually were met the boat down in Flycon and Cork, and uh, we actually interviewed both of them uh, yeah. in the one day. And uh, they actually both had uh, great respect for each other, and that uh, they'd actually it was actually a dream of both theirs to fight each other. They love that. I, yeah, I just think you see, are just a bit stubborn yeah. about it, though. Yeah, of course they are. I mean, you got to remember, mm. though, they, they, they feel like they have a lot to lose. But I remember mm. them when they were begging and pleading with pride to let one of their guys fight in their tournament. Remember how Chuck Liddell went over there? Mm. Yeah. You know, but that was that was Dana. That was Dana saying, like, hey, man, you know, like he was begging. Like, he was on his knees. Like, oh, to put, I'll put one of our guys against them for sure he'd win. And, you know, and Chuck's one of my closest friends. He's been one of my closest friends since 99, 98, 99. You know, and, like, that was – that was Dana was, was – Scott's not begging for a fight, but like he's just simply saying, like, "Hey, if you want to cross remote, let's go, buddy. You know, mm. let's get it done. You know." But Dana don't want none of that smoke. He don't. He don't want none of this smoke, dude. He don't want it. You know, and that's kind of how it all goes down. Like, if you can't, if you, he feels like he has nothing to gain by doing it, and maybe right now he doesn't. But I think when the guys start getting more exposure on CBS and Showtime and, and Paramount and DAZN and all these other mm-hmm. companies. Right? If we got four platforms to, to play your, your fighters on, I can't imagine. I mean, I just can't imagine them not, um, you know, people not giving them the recognition they deserve. Patricio as well. I, there's no doubt in my mind. And I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a, mm-hmm. um, Eric Alberson who works with Henry Cejudo and a lot yeah. of other top guys. Right. <clears throat> he, he publicly like, annihilated the press you know it was just like talking trash to them about how patricio is the best guy basically the best guy in the world you know and people don't people look back at his old fights back in the day where he was just standing in front of people and just you know and just let's share let's trade he still does that a little bit because that's that's who he is he's a fighter but he's a lot more he's a lot smarter now Mm. his style his style has changed he doesn't just stand in front and just like sit there and bang with you he's got that wider I would say almost like a like a Taekwondo guy or like a Conor McGregor type mm-hmm. stance. He's got that. Henry Cejudo has it as well because the two of them train together, you know. And if you, when you hear Henry say how good he is, that lets you know how good he is. You know, like the same like. And if you saw with Juan Archuleta wrestle at Purdue, other other top guys have tried to like take him down. He's next level. His his wrestling is now next level after working with guys like Henry for so many years, and um, yeah. he's drastically underestimated I, I just think he's drastically underrated and underestimated every single time someone wants to talk about him how do you think him versus pedro plays out because we have pedro on the podcast and he's extraordinarily confident at the moment yeah i mean i think i think he i think he does have a good chance submission wise he's good um but look you got to get him down and i think if you're going to stand with him i don't think you can i don't think i don't think pedro can stand with him Think about this. I mean, Michael Chandler starches guys. 
you know? Mm. And he, he got starched by Patricio. I, it's like, and I don't know. I just feel I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that people don't seem to understand um, for, for such small, big things come in small packages, you know, mm. and that, that guy, he can crack, he can crack. He can fucking crack some points. And do you think he'll so be AJ in the final against uh, well, I don't know. Can, can AJ get past Darian Caldwell? Yeah, well, no, in fairness, I was very impressed with Caldwell against Barch. And I was like, I was like, that was a performance and a half, especially considering Caldwell is, was fighting down at 135. To come up with yeah. just, like, very impressive. Yeah, McKee, I, McKee I almost think, is like a younger, hungrier, bigger version. Of Caldwell, I think he's got slightly better striking. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got better striking, but he's a lot more wild with it. Um, can mm. he stop? Can he stop Darren Caldwell's wrestling? No, I don't think he can. He can outstrike him, but can he stay off of his mm. back? The other thing as well as we saw in his last fight, which I thought he fought very carelessly against Campos. Mm. When he fought, he yeah. fought carelessly in the third round. In the third round, he got tired, you know, and he was exhausted. So after that, after that happened, I mean, like, and Darian's not been known for his conditioning or cardio as well into the third, fourth, and fifth round. But I will say this, he has now had more time to put the weight on naturally, like as in to build a little bit of muscle now with this, this, this amount of mm. time off with such an easy win over Adam Borich, no damage to his body. He is ready. Like he's, he's just getting stronger every day. He's training with bigger guys. He's getting the fills and the likes of someone like AJ McKee with the speed and the power. He's training with those kind of guys. He's just he, – he's a smart guy, man. He's a smart guy. He just – I think he, he needs to groom himself to be ready for that weight class now because he was always trying mm. to keep his weight down. He was always trying to keep his weight down so he could go to 135. He just can't do that, you know. So mm. now he doesn't have to do that. Now his body can naturally learn to carry this weight. And that's, that means a lot. People don't get under, they don't understand how much that means. It's hard to learn for your body to carry that amount of weight every single day in training and then as well as in the fight. So I have this thing where like I always walk around 169, 170. I always have. Even now, right now, I'm probably 172. Even though I'm old, fat, and retired, you know, and I just stuffed my face all day because we're in quarantine. Like I I legit I only walk around like 172. Maybe some of the muscle turned to fat, and so now I don't I look the same, but I I'm still way the same. But I never fought, I never fought at a weight class um, higher than I competed. So you know how some guys, like you know, like uh, Pat Healy, when he cut to six, to fifty five to fight me, and then mm -hmm. we made one ninety that night. I feel like that potentially lost him the fight. He probably walks around eighty, maybe eighty two, eighty three, but by the time he got in the cage, he was already eight pounds over what he's used to training at. You're carrying another eight pounds of of weight on your body that your body's not used to carrying. So I always walked or I always trained at 168, 169, 170, somewhere in there. And anything I was the week before I started cutting the fight, I made sure I didn't put any weight on above that because my body didn't know how to carry that weight, you know, and you never, you never train or you never, you can never train as hard as you're going to fight in that cage. And so mm -hmm. if you're carrying an extra one or two pounds, I mean, you got, you guys got to remember if you're holding up like dumbbells, right? One pound dumbbells. Can you do that for 15 minutes? Probably not. No, probably not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Prob no. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so, you know, if, if that's the case, now try to add that on your body, another a pound or two. Like mm. every pound over what you're normally used to carrying around, it, just, it works against you. So um, I, 
I feel like Darian doesn't have to go through that anymore. So I think we saw a good Darian Caldwell guy who puts guys away, and, and Adam Boris had never lost in any mm. in any fight. I think I think he's going to come back even stronger. He's he's a good looking young kid. I want to say he's only like 23, 24. Yeah. And all all the buzz about him is legit. Guys, all from uh, Henry Hoof's gym where he trains, they're like, dude, he's so fucking good. Like, people don't get how damn good he mm. is. You know, he obviously didn't show against Darren Caldwell, but they're like, dude, he's phenomenal. Like, it doesn't even make it. He's going to be, they, they've all said he's going to be champion. Yeah. So. Another, another thing as well, Josh, about Bellator, people uh, have been talking about the European series that they've been having over here. And first of all, it's been amazing for Irish fans as well. Yeah. But um, there's been talk about maybe doing, making European titles. Uh, like rather than world titles, like so a European title and then world titles, like separate because people feel like sometimes fighters in the European series are fighting people, but it doesn't seem to be like progressing them any further. Uh, what do you think of the, the, the possibility of making European titles? Yeah, I think look, what we're doing right now, I believe this is what I believe, it's not what I've heard from anybody else. I think right now we're trying to see where the cream rises to the top, and then we'll start bringing those guys to fight the, the top guys that are in Bellator right now. You know, um, yeah. that's what we're trying to do. That's why you've seen certain guys go over. Patricky went over, and he's going to end up going back over to fight Peter Queeley. You know, he went over to fight Ryan Scope. You know, uh, Primus, Primus went over there, fought Wild, and then just fought again recently. Like, you, you have these fights, right? You're, you're having them match up against European guys to see where the cream is. You want to see which guys rise to the top. And then I, I don't think there's any reason to start a European uh, title. You're either the champion or you're not. There's no reason to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing too is that you know your pay is not going to go up because you're the European champion. It doesn't make any sense, and possibly, possibly, maybe later on down the road. But I think right now we're just trying to see who the best athletes are that we have signed. You got to remember that Bellator made a huge push into, the, into Europe, and the push into Europe is just simply the fact that we signed all the guys from um, Bama. I think it was Bama, right? Yeah, it was Bama. Yeah. We, signed, we, yeah. we pretty much signed that. We signed. We pretty much signed that. We signed that whole roster. When we signed that whole roster. Um, you know, we brought a lot of guys over that we were not familiar with. You know, myself, I had to look up a lot of these guys. Like, okay, look, I've heard of this guy, but I've never seen him fight. So right now we're trying to see which guys will rise to the top amongst the European guys. And then once we see that, we'll start integrating the guys that are coming over, uh, you know, to mix them in. <clears throat> and I think it's best, though, too, for the, the U.S. guys to start fighting the guys in on Europe soil. I think it's only fair, you know. You got to make the adjustments. You can't just always bring the Europe guys to the U to the U.S. and expect them to perform well. You got to let them sometimes have hometown fights. And I love that they're doing that, man. I, I think I think you got to bring you know you've got to continue to bring these guys over and let them fight. You know, Patricky fighting uh, Quili, that's going to be a great fight. I mean, there's so many fights that I want to see mixed up that I think stylistically makes for a great matchup. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pedro Cavall Pedro Cavall fought um, Campos, and that's what got him into the tournament. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean. What, what, what's your take on um, James Gallagher and how far away do you think he is from a title shot? I know he sort of built his own fight. He wants to fight uh, Sergio Pettis after his next fight for the bantamweight belt because that's vacant at the moment after Caldwell lost Harguchi and then Harguchi vacated it. Yeah, um, I, th I think he's got – I'm not saying that he, he's not ready for one now, but I'm, here's the thing. Anytime you have a young uh, – a young, flamboyant, very like, very um, engaged into what he's doing and, and, and knows how to sell a fight. 
there's no rush. We don't need to rush him. You know what I mean? How many fights did Connor have before he finally, you know, was up, got, got mentioned in that upper echelon? There was like four or five fights. I mean, you know, give James his time. You know, he's young. I want to say, what is he, 22, 23 years old? 21, maybe. What? 21, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very young. Yeah, he's, very I young. want to say he's 22. He's 22 or 23. Yeah. He's somewhere think- around there. He's a, he's a young guy. I remember when he, he was he was a couple months younger than Aaron Pico. So I remember mm. that. And Pico, Pico, I think, is 22 now. And so we're 20. Yeah, so I'm like, there's no rush with these guys. See, that was that. if I look at Aaron Pico, he's exactly what you don't want to do. Like, guys didn't want to fight it because he was doing so well at the gym. And other guys were talking about how great he was. And I, I witnessed it firsthand. The guy's fucking phenomenal. But he doesn't have the MMA experience. And you, ha- you had to slow roll mm. him. The guys didn't want to fight him. And, got, you know, and, and. You know, and he picked up a few losses as well. Yeah, his losses though. His first loss was because he fought outside of his weight class because nobody else would fight him. But his, you know, his his uh, other losses have just been because he didn't fight smart, and that's the lack of experience. Mm. You know, it's yeah, he's a bit reckless. Yeah, yeah, he has been. I mean, his last his last two fights, mm. I thought he fought. I thought he fought brilliantly. His last two fights. Um, mm. You know, he's, he's, he's getting better every time. He's with Greg Jackson now. Greg Jackson, Greg, Greg Jackson is someone who's been known to put on, uh, put together a great game plan. He does a wonderful job. So I think that's exactly what he needs. The other thing as well is, you know, he's had, he has some issues. Like his dad was very involved in, in, his, um, in his career. And I think sometimes you, you have to tell your family to kind of like, hey, you got to step out a little bit. Let me run this myself. And, and I think we've seen that. I think we've seen a little bit of that too. So you, parents, not all parents, but a lot of parents, they want, just like a fighter, they think they deserve more. They want their kid to have the best. And that's that's part of being a parent. I think every parent thinks that way. Like my, my son or my daughter deserves this. You know, they deserve more. Mm-hmm. They, they, should be, they should be this. They should be that. But when you start doing that, especially in a sport like this where they're paying a lot of money, you've got to remember when the more you get paid, well, the harder the competition is. Sure. So if you're if you're relatively new in the sport, you got to dial it back, man, and slow roll it there. At 22 years old, like with James Gallagher, 22, 23 years old, there's no rush. He has he won't even hit his prime until 27, 28, 29, somewhere in there. Your prime, honestly, I feel for MMA is 27 to 32. You hit that man strength. You finally are starting to take it serious. You probably realize what the money's like now. You're enjoying life. Like those are all things that come along with it. And the maturity of it all. Um, I think John Jones skipped that part, but you know, other guys have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, you know, no, so man. yeah, you gotta learn. Yeah, even like with James, there's no rush, man. We got time with him. There's no rush because once you start fighting for that title, you can't go backwards. You don't go backwards, man. You can't. You can't fight easier fights just because. Oh, I had a bad showing. Okay, I want an easy fight now. No, 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 no. You keep do, you, the do, best you, guys. do you think sometimes, and um, like people have said this openly about Bellator, that sometimes that they almost give some of their hand-picked guys two soft opponents. Ah, you can't yeah, – look, yeah, this – everyone thought that Ricky Mendejas was going to get run through by James Gallagher, and look what happened. Mm. You know, Malo- they said the same thing about Malombo and Ricky Mendejas. Mm. You know, um, Although I, I think a lot of people sort of say that about MVP, but at the end of the day, I'm sure a lot of people aren't signed up to fight MVP. No, these guys are, these guys are running from that dude like the plague, man. They, they, nobody, here's the other thing. When somebody is as, as good as he is at what he does, he makes them look bad. It's no different than when mm. you look at um, uh, Lyoto Machida. Remember mm. how many times people were like, oh, man, just grab him, get him down. No, no, it's not really that easy. If it was that easy, people would have done that and figured him out years ago. Yeah. Like, it's not that easy. If it was that easy, like these top guys would be getting knocked out. 
You got to remember, man, Machida mm-hmm. knocked out uh, Rashad Evans. You know, MVP's making it. Cyborg, the one that broke mm-hmm. it, he, he broke his skull. He cracked his skull. Like, that's friends, not something he, that happens. He made David Rickles, like, properly give up. It was like, yes. yeah, it was, it was, it was like, they Rickles with him. You know what? No, actually. Yeah, no more just, fighting, please. Yeah, it doesn't, it just, there's, there's no reason to continue to fight if you know you're not going to get the win out of it. And he mm. couldn't even get to him to touch him. Like, he, everyone just kept saying, like, oh, he's just going to run in there, try to take him down. No, you got to get past him. He's so fast, so fast, mm. so elusive. And I can tell you right now, I've sparred with a couple guys that, are just extremely fast. This guy from uh, France, his name was Thomas Dion, real good kickboxer, Sambo guy. Every time I would kick, he'd catch my kick and throw me on my head. Every time, every time I would, every time I would try to like take him down. Every time I tried to take him down, he was so fast, his footwork and movement, he would just circle out of the way. I just I couldn't get to him. And every time I got him to the fence, he would just drop his weight and push my face away. Mm. And I just couldn't get him down. And those guys, and you, and I know you didn't want no. We're near on the feet with him. Every time I try to stand, he side kick me to the body, fucking spinning back kick me. If he wanted, like, I think there were moments there where if he wanted to in training, probably could have fucking knocked me out. And I'm a world, I'm, I'm considered one of the best lightweights ever. And this guy fights on lightweight division too. Yeah. Couldn't get his MMA career to, to go because he was mainly kickboxing. But I'm saying, like, I couldn't get him down, you know? And so when you're fighting guys like that, they make you look, they, they, they are so good at what they do, they make you look bad. And that's all MVP's doing. Now, now that I said that though, you, you are you guys are right. It, his competition has been good, but it hasn't been great, and he's now ready for that that next level. I, I want to see him fight guys like Lorenz Larkin. I want to see mm. him, um, yeah. you know, I want to see him potentially get a rematch with Lima. Not quite yet, but I mean that should be in the conversation. Oh, I'd like to see him fight McDonald. <clears throat> oh, Rory. Yeah. Now Rory's out though. He's at PFL now. Oh yeah, she's sorry. Yeah. You're, you're right. That's, that, yeah. that was actually a tough loss, yeah. No. But, uh, yeah. Look, these things happen, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, the, thing, the thing with Roy McDonald, though, is that he fights a smart fight. He would have tried to mm-hmm. get in on the takedowns as well. He has more yeah. of a karate style stand-up as well. I think, I think that's more so what I was intrigued by, because Roy's quite good at, uh, I suppose, game plan. Obviously, he, he would train with GSP, and like that's where he gets that from. But uh, uh, that would have that been a good one. But uh, like you say, that one's gone. But one fight that's massive in Bellator coming up is Musasi versus Lima. How do you see that one going down? Because MVP said he thinks Musashi's like a bigger version of Lima, and he thinks he'll get the job done. Musa, yeah, I don't, I don't, and I'm a huge Lima fan. I just don't see any way he wins this fight. I don't, I don't, I don't see any way he can win it. Mm. Doug uh, Gegard Musashi has been around a long time. He's mm. fought at heavyweight. Let's not forget he fought Mark Hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he knocked him out as well, didn't he? He fought Mark Hunt. Mm. You know, so Mark Hunt, he's fought, he's fought, he was the Strike Force 205 pound champion. Yeah. He was ranked number two or three or whatever when he left the UFC to come over. <clears throat> he was no more contender when he left, really, wasn't he? Because he'd just be exactly. Weidman. He was no more contender yeah. when he left the UFC. Oh, yeah. Because he'd just yeah. be Weidman. There was no reason for him to, to, to leave. He just wanted to leave. He didn't, obviously, he mm. didn't like the promotion. A lot of guys, I think, once they realize that they're not going to mm. try to build them as stars. It's like you might as well just bounce out. Like you, you know, once you're two to three fights in, and you know they're not talking to you, like they, like, like you, you got potential star potential. People need to get out of there because they're just wasting their career. They're just gonna fight a bunch of times on the low level cards, and they're never gonna get any recognition. So I don't understand why you would try to stay there. They should try to leave. Do you think if Musashi wins, he'll try and fight Bader at two hundred five? 
Um, well, Bader's got his hands full with Nemkov. Nemkov mm. is no damn joke. That kid he beat Davis there recently, didn't he? Yes, he did. Close yeah. back, though. Yeah. Uh, but, regar- but regardless, though, I think Nemkov, is, his stand-up is good. He's got a mm. good chin. Uh, he's going to get in there and get after it. <clears throat> he's going to push Bader. The other thing, too, is I think Bader is better at, at, at heavyweight. That's so do I. I don't understand why he's going to uh, 205 again. He's putting his body through that weight cut again when he was physically walking around at a good 235, you know, 230, 235 at heavyweight and f- having great performances. The there's no is, reason for him. There's no the question, reason for him to go to 205. The question is, would Nemkov be Fedor? Because uh, Bader, like, absolutely starched Fedor. Yeah, I know. But you got it. Fedor. Yeah, but he also had the weight then. You got to bring the weight up. So, like... He punches harder at heavyweight. Who? Oh yeah, yeah, he does. Okay. He does. I, I just, yeah, that's the same with Daniel Cormier though. Same thing at two hundred five. Yeah. like I felt, like, I felt like I was hitting air every time I tried to land a punch. Like these guys weren't affected by it. Then you go to you go to heavyweight, and he's just you know he knocks Stepe out. Like you know guys are having a hard like look what Lingano did to Stepe. Mm. Caught him with some clean shots, couldn't put him away. Mm. DC knocks him out. That lets you know, like, the, the weight makes a difference on when you guys are not, if you're able to knock someone out of your punching power. Tell, tell us this. Uh, obviously, you, yeah, you trained your entire career, well, majority of uh, your professional career out of AKA. Um, you've also fought Tony Ferguson. Obviously, they're not going to fight at UFC 249. Who knows if UFC 249 is happening or not. Well, you've been in the training room with Khabib. You've been in the octagon with Tony Ferguson. How do you see that one playing out? And what's it like, you know, competing with those guys? You know, I think Tony has all the tools to beat Khabib. I just don't think he's going to do it. And I'm not just being a homer. I'm not being biased. It's just that there's been fights in the past, and there's been positions in the past, even when I fought him, there was positions that I was able to get that I shouldn't be able to get on someone like him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, He's good. Tony's extremely good. But you can't afford to – he sometimes will – he'll put himself in a shitty position trying to get to something. And if he doesn't get there, he does not want to be stuck underneath Khabib. And it, I've, I've, been, I've been underneath Khabib a lot, like in training, you know, and you just can't move. I mean, you see guys um, – his whole career, he's just, they can't get up off the bottom. And Dustin Poirier said the same exact thing. Dustin's like, dude, I thought it was going to be differently. And of course, everyone does. They all think it's going to be different. Have you ever seen more a bigger will, a will breaker than Khabib? He just like breaks people's will. Like there's no tomorrow. Well, I think Tony's right there with him though. Tony's that guy, Mm. you know, I mean, you got to think about it. Out of his 13, 13 wins or his, he's got 13 wins. He's on a 13 Mm. win streak. Yep. I think out of those 13, I think me and only one other guy are the only ones that ever go the distance with them. The rest of the guys, he finished all of them. You know, so like, he, he's one of those guys that, like, mm. he pushes you to the max to the point where, to the point where, like, hey, the guys just, they give up. They either quit on the stool or, mm. they, or they are basically, like, they just, they get, they'll give a position to be submitted in so they can <laughs> tap and stop taking mm. punishment. You know, um, it's tough. I mean, I, I think both of them are the same in terms of that. That's they. That's what they want to do. They want to break someone's will. They want to push the pace. They want to do those things. I just don't know if Tony, after watching, I've said I said this on our show weighing in with Big John. I said he is. I said he. If you go back and watch the Kevin Lee fight, he got stuck in mount. He was like mm. fighting from the bottom. Those are not mistakes you can make against Khabib, dude. You're gonna get ground and pounded to death. You know, um, Kevin Lee had he had him mounted. He had him hurt a couple of times. Like, yeah, Kevin Lee's not the same level. He's got all the potential to be the same level. Mm. 
but he's not the same level as Khabib. I think the long range, there's a couple things that Tony, I think, can utilize and do that I think he'll have a lot of success with. But those things need to happen so often. Can it happen enough to where he can stop mm. the takedown? If he puts himself in a shitty position trying to attack a submission and he ends up on bottom, he just you, you're gonna he could be stuck there the rest of the round. You know, so I, I think he has the tools to beat him. I mm. just don't think he's I don't think he's going to. And it's not a knock on Tony. I just I've been in the cage with him and I fought fifteen minutes, fifteen hard minutes with him. And the kid's good. He's so good. He's so good, and um, he does things that you wouldn't expect, you know, him, you know, other people to do. But if you want to take a, a con, like with Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor had some success on getting back up to his feet against Khabib, mm. and he also has some success with the wrist control. Um, he had a hard time beating that leg lace, which a lot of people do, but he had the success from that, from the wrist control, and not being able to mm. like not be having his back put flat to the ground. People underestimate how good Connor is, and they look at the fight like, "Oh, he got stopped." Yeah, but if you look at the fight before that, the whole fight, he fought him mm. better than anybody else had ever fought him. I think round one and uh, was round three, and McGregor was very good in those rounds. He was very good at stopping the takedown initially, and then when he actually got it on the feet for a bit in the third round, he, he was quite good. But like once Khabib gets down, like I just find it terrifying there's just something about it where it's just like he's it's like he's got you now and that's it you Still know what I mean and like mm-hmm. yeah he, he is I always feel I, I, I sort of someone asked me who like never watches MMA how this could be so good and I was like it's like someone starts off with your finger and he's got control of your finger and then he's got control of your hand and then he's got your wrist and then and like next thing you know he has both your hands mm-hmm. pinned behind your back on the ground he's sitting on top of you and like I don't know whether you're in school but uh, or when you were younger, there used to be this thing where you, it was called the typewriter, where you would like punch a guy in the chest and slap him in the face. Like Khabib does that. Like he just takes it down. Like he owns you. It's it's. Yeah. No one's ever done it like him. No one's ever done it like him. Yeah. So like when you look at the Conor McGregor fight, right? Khabib comes in, right? He shoots a low mm. like ankle pick. He shoots mm. an ankle pick, and he gets the ankle. And then as he gets the ankle, he works his way up to the thigh. And then from the mm. thigh, he sits him sits him to his butt. When he sits him to his butt, he starts wrapping the hips. And then he just starts working his way up, like mm. you just said. And he does that against the fence mainly, but in that first fight, and then in the fight with Connor in that first round, that first takedown he shot, he was able to work his way up. He mm. started at the ankle, went to the knee, went to the thigh, and then went to the hips and the back, and then ended up getting to mm. the top position. That's realistically what it all comes down to. Um, he just slowly and methodically makes you work in every position, and mm. he doesn't get it. The one thing is this. If he does not get the takedown, he doesn't go, oh, fuck, okay, they're not working. Mm. A lot of fighters will stop. They'll stop shooting because it's a lot of energy. He doesn't do that. He just keeps shooting. He just keeps shooting. Yeah. He doesn't get it, a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, chain, his chains are incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's, uh, he, holds, mm. he holds the record for, he holds the record, I want to say, with 22 or 24 takedowns against uh, Abel Trujillo yeah. in one fight, in a 15, in a 15 minute fight. That's insane. That's just Literal ragdoll. Literal rag on them. It was um for for me the way I look for you. I'm like right, edge of grappling. Weirdly, I think goes to Khabib, which normally when Ferguson's grappling, like you you know what I mean, like his jujitsu is like top of the range. Like Eddie Bravo keeps on like hinting that he's got these like surprises for Khabib. Uh, like I don't know, like Khabib seems like very unsurprisable. Uh, you, you know, brilliant Darsh choke on the ground, uh, Ferguson. Uh, and relentless cardio. I think they're sort of Tony's things. The maybe a Darius choke, relentless cardio, and then his unpredictability. I think they're his like sort of X factors. Khabib is almost like 
I look at him almost in a way like Damien Moya, as in like, you know what he's going to try and do? He's going to implement it. Can you stop it? You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's just the way it works for him. Uh, as much as I try and like, I think you always try and look at someone who's unbeatable and like look for them to be beaten, but I just don't see Ferguson being able to do it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think he, I think he, ha- he has the tools to do it. I just don't. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Um, people underestimate. Like they don't realize how good Khabib is until they get in there. And Dustin Poirier was. He had said that himself. He's like, I didn't. I'd never felt top pressure like that before. And we've continued to say that to people, but they people don't seem to. They keep just overlooking it. Like, oh no, I'll be able to get up. I'll be able, no, no, probably not. You know, um, you got <clears throat> yeah, some of the other stuff too. Like Tony is. He's a good. He's a good grappler. He's a good wrestler. But he he's not he's not going to be able to head snap Khabib down. This is mm. what people what I like to remind people of is that I I've had Khabib on my show twice now, um, and when I've had him on, I've told him I said I've asked him I said you know about fights and he's he's like he's like you don't get it I I have two hundred and fifty oh probably over two hundred and fifty Sambo fights. He's like my rec- my record in in MMA. He's like it's just an addition of what I've been doing. Like, Sambo is really just MMA, you know, and he's been doing this since he was a kid. It's really just MMA with a judo top on, like a gi top on, you know? I mean, they, you know, it's so he, he understands knee bars, submissions, mm-hmm. arm bars, all that stuff's been around forever, you know? And those guys have been utilizing it forever. Look at Fedor when he exploded onto the scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hadn't, he, I guess he hadn't lost a Sambo match in like, I don't know, over a decade, you know? And he eventually did lose one, but like he hadn't lost in over a decade, but I mean, he was submitting guys off of his back. He was hip tossing, throwing right to arm bars. I mean, he exploded onto the scene and cried. Mm-hmm. He was huge, man. He was huge. Khabib is that, except Khabib's never on his back, you know, sure. where Fedor was always on top, but Fedor was also off of his back was very good. You know? Josh, do so, you think anyone at 150, uh, 155 pounds can actually beat Khabib? <laughs> Um, do I think anybody that don't have to five pounds can beat him? Uh, I don't think anybody that they have on their roster right now. I mean, Tony would really be the only one. You know, what about if you went up to 170? If you bumped up to 170, would it be the chance yeah, there see, as well? I think so. I believe so. So do I. Well, you think oh, you'd stay yeah. undefeated as well? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was just thinking that, but yeah. I mean... What, 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 what's he walk around, actually? Because he said Pahiri was around 191. What, what's it to be by the next day? Because he's massive. Yeah, he is massive. He he's got thick legs, like you know, he's got a thick uh, trunk, like his hips and mm. thighs and stuff. He's he's thick. Um, I would say, and he I think he probably walks around about one ninety, you know, which is normally yeah. what 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 uh, welterweights walk around at. So, do I think I think he'd have a lot? I think he'd have more like tougher fights there. But I think right now with the guys that are in that bracket, they're all tailor made for him, you know. <clears throat> If well, I almost look at Khabib and think he'd actually beat Adesanya as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, it might be too, that might be too much for him because of the length, the range, and the reach and stuff. But like, he grabbed like him Usman, though. Yeah, if he got like Adesanya, Usman, I think he yeah, actually yeah, him. yeah, if he could get him down, I just, he'd have to take some big shots in the mm. process, you know. Josh. I, I think um, the, the guy, the guys that kind of pose a threat, like Usman, I don't think can beat Khabib. Uh, Col- Colby Covington definitely can't beat Khabib. Mm. The ch- and I'm not saying I'm not knocking these guys; they're really, mm. really good. Yeah. But I think stylistically, his wrestling is anti wrestling. Khabib's anti wrestling is just as good as his takedowns. So he's the ghost. He's, yeah, he's he's yeah. hard to get down. And what about what about against he's... George St. Pierre? 
See, that's the fight. That's the only fight that I think he has a potential of losing. Now, George is getting older, so I don't know. And I don't know if that fight ever will happen. I would I love to see it happen. The UFC yeah, but I could not ask UFC. you. I could not ask yeah, you. Of course. Not only you, I've been wanting that fight. Honestly, that's mm. the only fight I really care to see him fight. After he, If he beats Tony, that's the only fight I care to see him fight. I don't care to see him fight I don't care to see him fight anybody else. I just want to see him fight that fight, and I want to see him run off into the sunset and retire. What's he like you know? as a person then, as well, uh, Josh? Absolutely phenomenal. Him yeah. and all the all the Russian guys that come over, you know, uh, Islam Makhachev, yeah, Makhachev, uh, Abu Bakr, his you know his cousin, uh, Islam. I can't say his last name. Mama Medoff. He's he fights in uh, PFL. Uh, they've got a bunch of other guys that come over. His young little his young little cousin Umar, who just got signed by the UFC. Umar Umar Medoff, him as well. He's a bantamweight, isn't he? Yeah, he's good. He'll fight. I think at one forty-five. Okay. He'll fight at forty-five. But he, I tried to get Bellator to sign him, but he just didn't want to sign a long-term deal with Bellator. He wanted to be at the UFC, and I was like, fuck, because he's, he's good. He's not like Khabib. He is like Khabib, but not like Khabib. He's got wrestling takedown. He's got good submission defense. He's got good submissions as well. He's got good pressure, but he's more of a Taekwondo, taekwondo style of kickboxer. So he's got more of that, that Taekwondo. He's got more a little bit like a – like a MVP style of kickboxing. So mm. he's just fun to watch. He, he's young. I want to say he's only 21, 22 years old. Him and James Gallagher would be a fucking great fight. Love to see that fight. You know, nice. I think he's a little bit bigger than James, obviously. I think James is at 35 and he's at 45, mm. but that fight would be, that would be a crazy, a crazy fight. Yeah. So if, uh, he's, he's talented. Yeah. If obviously now, cause the, the thing is that like Khabib's obviously back in Russia and like it might actually be going down. It's not hundred percent confirmed yet. But if uh, supposedly Justin Gaethje is going to step in against um, Tony Ferguson, Ferguson, yeah, against Tony Ferguson, uh, where do you see, yeah, where do you see that going? I think it's a horrible. I think I think Tony should not fight. I think he should not fight. I think he should wait for the title shot. I think he should wait for him to to, to fight Khabib. I don't think he has anything else to prove. Fighting, fighting Justin Gaethje doesn't make any sense. And and I'm I'm a fan of uh, <clears throat> Ali, which is. Uh, Justin Gaethje and Khabib's mm. manager. manager. Yeah. So what he's doing is, is what's going to happen is is Justin Gaethje going to fight Khabib next? Cool. I mean, you're managed. You're, you're you're managed by the same person. I, I don't. I, I mean, don't two know seconds. My happen. dog's after getting out the front. I have to go uh, get my dog back in. Sorry. Right, two seconds. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I just don't I don't know, man. I don't know if he is going to. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think it, I don't think it's a good fight. I don't think that I think he should sit out. I think he should wait until Khabib is ready to fight or until this whole thing is lifted. Just get better in the time, the process. Keep fine tuning what you're what you're working on, what you think is going to work against Khabib. I think those are the things that he has to do. Like yeah. he shouldn't. Um, I don't think he should take the fight. There's. Let's just say. Look. Let's just say he. Let's say he wins. Let's say he doesn't look good. Mm. Right. Uh, it's a dog fight. Uh, it goes three rounds or five rounds. It just and it doesn't look good. Maybe it's boring. I've never seen him in a boring fight. Neither one mm. of those guys. But I'm simply just saying, like, if he doesn't look good, I can say the U. I can see the UFC going. You know what? Let's try and put somebody else in there. That's they've mm. been known to do that, yeah. man. They've been known to do that for years. And so, um, you know, and Ali manages both of them. So Ali has control over like what kind of what the UFC does. Like, oh no, these are both my fighters. I'm gonna negotiate this, negotiate that. You know, like it gets then it gets caught up in this thing where now Justin has a chance to beat number one contender. This fight has mm. more hype around it than any other fight in the UFC right yeah, now. Yeah, they, they have to delay it and hold fight. off. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I just don't think it's a smart bid. For the fans. Really. For the fans. Yeah, 
I don't think it's a smart fight by Tony to take the fight. I, I, there's no reason. You have nothing else to prove. You've starched tons of people before now. You know, like there's no reason for you to continue on trying to beat all the top, top guys. You've already beat them all. Let yeah. Justin beat your number one title defense if you get there. Yeah. You know what so, I mean? Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, well, Josh, thanks a million for coming on today's show. Uh, much appreciate all your time. Uh, you're an absolute legend of the sport. Um, congratulations on all your uh, achievements. And you and Big John rep on that podcast. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, the weigh-in show. Um, much love. Uh, like, share, subscribe. And as always, stay energized. <laughs>